Okay, we are um, currently eight down, lines down on Hey Amud Bay's 5B in Chagiga. <clears throat> and we're going to spend this entire page um, dealing with different verses and much more Agadita. The Agadita parts of the Gemara of the Talmud, which are more like um, the narratives, the expounding on verses, the stories, uh, much less the legal. Um, so we're at eight lines down and we're quoting a verse from Devarim, from Deuteronomy. And I will, I shall surely conceal myself or my face on that day. Rava, Rava explains, it says, on that day God will conceal God's face. Um, day um, to infer, to infer, Amar HaKadosh Baruch Hu, God says, Even though I conceal my face from them, I will still speak with them through a through dreams meaning i will present myself in the at night so even though it will be a time where god's god will be very very hidden at night i will still appear to them rav yosef amar rav yosef says yado natuya aleinu um even at that even at these points god's hand is still stretched out upon us shenemar as the verse says uvetzel yodai kisisicha the verse says that um with the shadow of my hand, I will cover you. And that is a verse from Isaiah. Rabbi Shub and Hananiah have a So now we're going to have a story. Um, we'll have a story that will be very similar. Rabbi Shub and Hananiah have a Rabbi Shub and Hananiah, the son of Hananiah, was um, standing at the uh, Caesar's palace. Um, and a certain heretic uh, motioned to him. Ama and the motion was gave off the uh, was was trying to express that the Jewish people are a nation that God has turned God's face from. So Rabbi Yeshua ben Hananiah uh, motioned back to him. That God's hand is still stretched out over us uh, to protect us. So the Caesar himself saw what was going on and he said to Rabbi Yoshua, he asked Rabbi Yoshua, my achvilach, what did that man motion to you? Um, Rabbi Yoshua said, he motioned to me that we are a nation that God has turned God's face from. And I motioned back to him, that God's arm is still stretched out over us. So then the Caesar said, or the court of the Caesar said to that heretic that had done the motioning, My achvisle, what did you motion to Rabbi Yehoshua? And he answered, That the Jewish people are a nation, Ama, a nation whose master has turned his, has turned his face from them. Um, and then the Caesar asked, and what did you motion, what did he, I'm sorry, what did he motion back to you? And the heretic answered, Lo yadana, I do not know, um, which was the wrong answer. Amru gavra de lo yada, my So they said to him, the court said to him, um, if you have a man who does not know what is being signaled to him, should he be signaling in front of the king? Right? It's um, basically to signal um, in front of the king um, 
would be something that wouldn't would would actually be considered respectful because you're not speaking you're not you're not speaking while the king is there you're not speaking in front of the king you're just signaling it's res, it's a respectful way to communicate with someone else when the caesar is right there but if you don't know what you're signaling it's uh you know you're having a, it's it's just gibberish you're signaling then it's just disrespectful so what he's saying is is that you don't know what he signaled back to you so that you're you're involved in a disrespectful conversation in front of the king you were uh you really ha you know you really did the wrong thing um, and back then what they did was afkuhu they took him out vikatlu and they killed him because of his disrespect when Rabbi Yeshua ben Hanania was passing away, so again, this is a this is a this is a story again about Rabbi Yeshua ben Hanania, the rabbi that was in the last story. So as he was passing away, Amrulei Rabbanan, the rabbi said to him, "My tehevei alon me apikorsin. What's going to happen with us with all of the heretics that are out to get us?" Amrulehem. So he said to them. He said to them, he quoted a uh, he quoted a verse in Yirmiyahu and Jeremiah, and he said as follows: Avda chachmasam that when when wise counsel has been lost from the sons, then their wisdom will nisracha will become will become sour. So the idea is, and he he expounded this verse to say as follows, because what they were worried about is that without Rabbi Yeshua here. Then the heretics will be able to, you know, present their arguments, and no one will be able to argue against them. So they're wondering what's going to happen when he passes away. So he's so he expounded that verse as follows: Kivan Sha'avda Eitzamibanim, when the Jewish people, when the sons, the children, when they no longer, when it, when um, wise counsel is lost from them, Nisrachachmasan Shalumos Olam, then what will automatically happen happen is that. The wisdom of the other nations will also become sour, so they'll never be able. They they will no longer have someone that can present arguments that are that that will be able to uh, to to prevent to to uh, to present a threat to the Jewish way of thinking because when the Jewish people lose that type of counsel, other nations will as well. If you want, I can prove to you this idea from a different verse. This verse is actually talking about Jacob and his brother Esav. Yaakov and Esav, when they meet up with each other many years later, when Esav says to him, um, let's uh, travel uh, together and I will go alongside you. And the idea here is that Esav was was talking but really sharing something that that you know for all generations that the other nations they may be able to be equal to us um, as far as their arguments and our arguments but never be able to surpass us so that's the idea that was being presented here um okay so um now we're gonna um now we're going to uh continue talking about um these verses where remember earlier we were talking about these verses that the different rabbis the scholars they would get to and they would start to cry because they seem to tell us that the jewish people have no remedy have no hope so now we're going to continue talking about that rabbi ila have his salik bedarga to the rabbi barshila rabbi ila was one time climbing the stairs at the house of rabbi barshila shamelianuka to have a kakari and he heard a child was reading the verse in amos for behold, um, the cre he is the creator 
of the mountains and the creator of the winds. And he also tells a person, God also referred to and can tell a person what were his words. Omar, Surabi Ilah said, Evid Sharabo Magidlo Masecho. If you have a slave whose masters can can recount to him every single word that he's ever said, Takana Yeshil, is there a remedy for this type of person? No way. There's no cho- there's no chance for this person. So now we're gonna talk a little bit about this about this verse. My Masecho. What does it mean when it says what were his words? That God can recount to people what were their words. Amar Rav, Rav said, this is even to the following extent. Afilu Sicha Yesera Shabain Ishl Ishto. Even the extra talking between a man and his wife, between a man and his wife, right? When they when they talk unnecessary, they talk about they talk um, more than is necessary. They talk unnecessarily. Magidin Lola Adam Bishas Misa. This is re- recounted to a person when he dies, meaning God God re- recollects this. God collects this. God can recount this. Even something that seems so insignificant, God is able. God will show that this this person. Um, or you know this man or this woman that this was unnecessary talking. Eni, now is this really true that um, that um, that this type of talk is actually not considered a good thing? You know when a husband and wife talk unnecessarily. Vaharav Kahana have a goni to say This is a wild story, but um, we're, this is what this is the, how the story goes. You have Rav Kahana. He would he um, lay he he went under the bed of Rav his rabbi, his teacher. And the idea is, is Rav Kahana wanted to learn everything he possibly could from his rabbi, even his conduct while being um, intimate with his wife. The Shameh and Rav Kahana heard Rav, the Sach, that he was talking to his wife, Vitzachak, and they were laughing together and he made her laugh. The Asad Srachav, and then they were intimate. To So Omar, so Rav Kahana, from beneath the bed said as follows, Dame Pume de Rav commandalo time le tafshila. Rav's mouth seems to be like someone that never tasted um, delicious food, cooked food. In other words, you you were you weren't you weren't you 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 made this seem as if this was like really your first time being intimate and you had you did all these extra things. You laughed and you made jokes and you talked like and he seemed to imply that, that would be he thought that was inappropriate and yet Rav was saying otherwise. Omar so Rav said, Kahana poke, he said, Kahana, get out of here. What you're doing, Lav Orach Ara, it's not proper for you to be here. But what we do see, though, is that Rav did have this quote-unquote unnecessary discuss, chatting, you know, talking with his wife. And if Rav did it, then the assumption is is that that's not, then that's a a good thing. It's not an inappropriate thing. So what does that mean? God is going to recount this type of discussion in a negative way when a person passes away. So we say, Lokasha, we say it's not a question. In this case of Rav, he had to appease her. He had to appease his wife um, before being intimate. Whereas where you have this unnecessary talk, um, where it is considered negative is in a scenario where you don't need to do any sort of appeasing. Okay. So now that we've been talking about God concealing God's self, we're going to continue talking about it in other verses as well. This is an, this is a, this, this has a lot of mystical. The next passages have a lot of mystical meaning. We're just going to read and translate basically, but, uh, certainly, um, there's a lot of, uh, Kabbalistic, um, uh, a lot of Kabbalistic layers in in the following uh, following passages. 
Tifken nafshi mipne geva. So this is a verse from Jeremiah where it says, if you do not listen, bemistarim tifken nafshi, then in the hidden chambers, um, my spirit or my my nefesh, my soul will cry, mipne gava because of your pride. Um, so what is this all about? Amar Rav, Shmuel Bar Inya. So Rav Shmuel Bar Inya said, Mishmei the Rav in the name of Rav. Makom Yeshol HaKadosh Baruch That God has, the Holy One Blessed Be He, God has a special place. U Mistarim Shemo. And it's called Mistarim. And there, God cries. Um, you know, there's a specific place called Mistarim, and that is where God cries because of the Jewish people's pride. Now we're going to talk about what that is. What does that mean when we say because of your pride? It's because of the pride of Israel that was taken from them. And given to those that worship idols. That's why God cries. Rabbi Shmuel Bar Nachmeni, Rabbi Shmuel Bar Nachmeni says, No, it's referring to the God Christ because of the gava, because of the pride or the the great nature of the kingdom of heaven that was removed when the Jewish people were persecuted and exiled. Okay, now we're going to ask a question, a very interesting question. Is there really crying in, by God? Does God really cry? The of Papa, but didn't Rav Papa say that there is no sadness by God? God doesn't get sad. Shanamar, as the verse says um, in Divrei Hayamim, in Chronicles, it says very clearly that glory and majesty are before him. Oz v'chedva bim komo, and strength and delight, joy are in God's place. So it doesn't seem that there's a place for sadness by God. So he answered, Lo kasha. It's not a question. Ha bevate gavoi. When we talk about God crying, that's bevate gavoi. That's only in God's inner chamber. Ha bevate berai. Whereas where it says only happiness or joy is present, that's in God's outer chambers. Um, you're going to tell me that there's no, that God doesn't cry, there's no sadness in God's outer chambers? But doesn't the verse specifically say, this is in Yeshaya and Isaiah, doesn't it say that God called out on that day, uh, God called out on that day for weeping, for crying, for eulogizing, for boldness, and for putting on, for donning sackcloth. So we see certainly that God is calling for sadness. This was the day that the temple was destroyed, the temple in Jerusalem destroyed. So we see very clearly that, um, that, that, um, and the fact that God called out, obviously this wasn't private, this was public, this was not in the inner chamber, this was in the outer chamber. So we see very clearly that God does cry, there is sadness even in the outer chamber. So we answer, shiny churban beisamekdash. The destruction of the temple is different, that was the one exception. Um, that's when sadness was present, present even in the outer chamber. Da'filu malachei shalom because even at, at that point, even the angels of peace cried. Shinemar, as the verse says, hain, as the verse says, Hain er Shalomar. 
So it says, before their altar, for their mizbeach, for their altar, they cried outside. The angels of peace were bitter. Okay, so that was an exception, but in general, God does not have sadness in his outer chamber. Okay, now we're going to talk about uh, another verse that talks about God crying. Um, again, this is a verse from Jeremiah, from Yirmiyahu. Vedamoa tidma it says, and I will cry, I will surely cry, and my eyes will drip with tears, because the flock of God has been taken captive. Now, if you count it out in that verse, it, ta- it refers to crying three times. What is the three cryings for? One was for the destruction of the first temple. One was for the destruction of the second temple. The Achas a Yisrael and one was for the fact that the Jewish people were exiled from their place. The Ikeda Amri, and some say that the third one was for Achas al Bitel Torah, that one was for the uh, neglect of the study of Torah. And of course, the Gemara asks that how does that fit into the verse? Bishlama Lamanta Amar a Yisrael Shigalu. It's understandable according to the opinion. The Manda Amar, the opinion that said that one of the crying was for the Jewish people that were exiled. That's what it says in the verse. That's the meaning of what it says in the verse because the flock of God was taken captive. But according to the opinion that says the third crying was for the neglect of Torah study, what does it mean in the verse when it says because the flock of the because uh, God's flock was taken captive? So we answer, because the Jewish people are exiled from their place. There was no greater neglect of Torah because of that. Meaning, when we are forced, when we are forced into exile, of course, there's going to be a lot less Torah study than if we are able to sit and, uh, you know, sit living in Israel, learning in our yeshivas. So that's what we end up saying: that the captivity, the exile, was the greatest cause of bittul Torah, of the neglect of Torah study. The rabbis taught. There are three things that um, there are three people, types of people that God cries for every day. Number one, for somebody that can spend time learning Torah and does not. And also somebody that cannot learn Torah. Who doesn't have that ability to learn Torah, but yet he does so anyways. So um, basically, um, so there's different ways of understanding it. But simply put, is that you know, you, if you're there, if there are other things you need to be doing, like maybe supporting your family, and instead you go and you learn Torah, that's a big mistake. Valparnas Hamis Galatzibor, and the third type of person that God cries for is for a leader that behaves arrogantly, arrogantly um, towards the community. Um, okay, Rabbi Nahava, okay, so speaking of the destruction of the temple and the exile, we're going to talk a little bit more about that. Um, Rabbi Hava Nakat Sefer Kinos. Rabbi was once um, holding a book of lamentations. Um, the Kakari Bigave, and he was reading from it. Kimata Lahai Psuka, when he got to the verse that says, Hishlich Mishamayim Aretz that he cast down from heaven to earth the glory of the Jewish people. The book fell from his hand. The book of Lamentations that he was holding fell from his hand. Omar, and he said, 
that he said that this that the fall of the Jewish people was Ram from the highest roof, Libira Amikta to the lowest pit. Rebbe Verbichia Habushakli Ba'azli Baarcha. Rebbe and Rebchia, so now that we just shared that story about Rebbe, we're gonna share another story about Rebbe. Rebbe and Rebichia, they were um, going back and forth on a on a on a on the road. Kimatalahumasa Amre. And when they got to a specific city, they said, Ikuts, or they asked, is there a rabbi, a scholar here, Nazal Vinikbil, so that we can go and be Mekabil Panim, which means to go and pay respects to him. Omri, so they answered, the people of the city, so they answered, and they said, there is a Torah scholar here, and he cannot see, he's blind. Amrli Rabbi Chiel Rabbi, so Rabbi Chiel said to Rabbi, Tzivat, you stay here, don't come with me. Lo tizalzel benisiosach, because I do not want you to degrade your nisios, your princeship. Rabbi, Rabbi Yehuda, the Nasi, the prince, he was the basically the head of the generation, the head rabbi of the generation, and. What Rabbi Yechiel was telling him is that it's not appropriate for you to come and pay respects to a rabbi in this city so um, you, because you're greater than him and it wouldn't be right for your honor. Um, let me go by myself and I will pay my respects. But Rabbi said, no way. He overtook Rabbi Yechiel and he went with him to go and visit this blind Torah scholar. When they were about to leave, this Torah scholar, Amrluhu, he said to them, You paid your respects to somebody that can be seen, but cannot see. May you merit to pay respects to the to the face that can see and is not seeing. In other words, may you have may you be may you merit to pay your respects to God. Um, Omar Le, <clears throat> so Rebbe, then at that point, when he got this beautiful blessing, he said to Rebbe Chia, um, If I would have listened to you and I would have stayed back, you would have kept me back from this beautiful blessing that I just received. Okay. Um, so at that point, once they received that beautiful blessing, they asked him, Omar Le, they said to him, Miman Shemielach, from who did you hear that paying respects to a Torah scholar is such a beautiful, amazing thing that you gave us such a beautiful blessing for doing so? So he answered, I heard it from the classes of Rabbi Yaakov. Because Rabbi Yaakov, who is from the village of Chitaya, he would actually go pay his respects by his rabbi every day. Kikash, and when Rabbi Yaakov got weaker or older, Amarle, Lonitstai Ermar, the his Rebbe, his rabbi said to him, "Do not trouble yourself to come to me anymore." Delo Yachomar, because you're not able to, you're getting too old. Amarle, so Rabbi Yaakov told him, "Mi zutar, mi zutar, How could you tell me not to come anymore? Is it insignificant that which is written concerning the rabbis?" What does it say? It says as follows. It says in Tehillim. It says in Tehillim. It says in Psalms. V'chi od lo netzach, lo yira hashachas. He will live more for eternity. He will not see the pit. Ki yira chachamim yamusu. 
this person that has seen wise men, the scholars, die. So if this verse in Psalms could be understood as telling us that somebody who sees, who goes and pays his respects to Torah scholars, you know, who's there when they die, that he will live, that type of person will live. So if you go and pay respects while the person, while the rabbis are still alive, all the more so how you'll live. So I definitely need to continue paying my respects, Rabbi Yaakov said. Okay, Rabbi Edi. Avud Rabbi Yaakov Ba'idi, Sarvidi, the father of Rabbi Yaakov Ba'idi, have a ragel, was accustomed to have a azal tlasa yarchai ba'archa. He would travel for three months of the year, and he would travel on the road for three months. The chad yomi bevei rav, he would spend one day at the academy of rav, the, at the academy of the rabbis, so the, the at the yeshiva. The havu karulei rabbanat, so he would travel three months, seemingly to just spend one day at yeshiva. At the at the rabbinical academy, and the rabbis they would call him Bar Beirav de Chadioma, a student of the yeshiva for one day. So they would do it in a mocking way. So Rav Idi, he felt very uh, he felt very bad. He felt insulted. and he said about himself, um, they, listen this verse that says that it says in Job. Um, in, in Eov, that I will be as one who is mocked by his friends. That's what uh, that's what's happening with me. Amr le Rabbi Yochanan, Rabbi Yochanan told Rav Edi. He was nervous, because here you had this rabbi, Rav Edi, who was feeling very bad about the way the the, the yeshiva students taught, treated him. So he begged him, he begged Rav Edi, I beg of you, please do not punish the rabbis, the, these, these, uh, yeshiva, these yeshiva students that, that mocked you. And at that point, Rabbi Yochanan went out to the base magist, to the yeshiva, and he expounded for them as follows. Um, he looked at the verse in Isaiah, in Yeshaya, that says as follows. Uh, they seek me every day, and, the, they, and they desire to know my ways. Um, so, so what it seems is, is that they, they seek God during the day. Do you only seek God during the day? And by night they don't seek him? That doesn't make sense. So what's it mean that, why does it say the word day twice? So it's definitely not to teach us that specifically during the day they seek God. What is that a reference to? What is it teaching us? Rather it's telling us, somebody that, that 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 does Torah learning. Even one day a year, if he can only learn Torah for one day a year, and he does. The verse considers it as if he spent the entire year learning Torah. And so too is it in the negative, in the when it comes to punishment. As the verse says, by the spies. We have the spies that went to Israel while the Jewish people were in the desert, and they come back and they curse the land of Israel, and they they completely ruin it for the the gener that generation, and that generation never gets to, and they ruin ruin the faith of that generation. That generation in the desert never goes into the land of Israel. And part of the punishment is according to the number of days that you spied out the land. That's how many day that's how many days you are going to 
have to stay in the desert. So they spied out the land for 40 days. Um, that's how many days they'd have to stay in the desert. But wait a minute. Did they sin for 40 years? Didn't they just spy out the land for 40 days? And yet we know that the Jewish people were in the desert for 40 years. They only, I thought we thought, didn't they only spy out the land for 40 days? So they should have only been in the desert for 40 days. Rather, this is teaching you. Anybody that transgresses even one day of the year, the scripture, the verses, consider, the Torah considers is it as if you transgressed for the entire year. So we just went through a lot of different things, a lot of different verses, some very interesting stories, um, a lot to think about, and um, we will continue hopefully very soon with um, five with um, Vav Ahmad Aleph 6a.